G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about a significant thing that's happening in the ongoing intentional development of future leaders shaped by Christian faith. There's an initiative that has its focus on raising wise Christian leaders for politics and culture who are biblically faithful, culturally intelligent and positively engaged for the common good. Now, you may be aware of the Lachlan Macquarie Institute. It's an initiative bringing together proven leaders holding biblical Christian values and shaping new generations to lead. And they're getting ready to open what will be known as McClellan Hall, a significant opening coming up on the 22nd of October. Well, our special guest through this coming hour, the Reverend Dr. Dan Anderson, is Director and CEO of the Lachlan Macquarie Institute based in Canberra. Dan, a special welcome along to 2020. Great to be with you, Neil. Dan, uh, give us a little background here. Uh, lots of listeners might not be so familiar with the Lachlan Macquarie Institute. Uh, touch uh, on a, a few of those points of history. So we've got a bit of context for where we're going with our conversation today. Well, the Lachlan Macquarie Institute's been operating for a little bit over 10 years now. Uh, we're based just outside of Canberra in a little village named Murren Bateman. And what we do is we take small groups of people, uh, usually around eight people at a time. Uh, we take them away for three months to give them a really good foundation in the theology and cultural history and intellectual history uh, and some practical skills and experiences that are going to help them to be wise leaders, particularly with a focus on politics, but also in culture and, and leadership more broadly as well. When you talk three months, it's obviously quite intensive. Some are going to be thinking, what can you learn in three months? Uh, maybe you'd be better off doing a degree or something or rather uh, doing three years or four years. But the three-month course, this is something that fine-tunes the skills and the way people think? Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is the kind of stuff, Neil, that we're going to be learning for a lifetime, isn't it? It's not just the sort of thing that you can easily do in three months, but three months is a is a good amount of time to go away, um, particularly because we are a, a, a residential intensive fellowship program. So you're away from the distractions of ordinary life. Uh, it's enough time, I think, to actually form some new habits, which is really important, and to form some pretty deep relationships with people. Uh, it is enough time, I think, to be given a, a framework, a bit of a scaffolding of the kinds of things that you need to learn. But we do certainly view it as as a foundation for something that you're going to be continuing on learning over over a lifetime. Uh, and so we actually all really care about our alumni network and we spend time uh, catching up and encouraging and praying with people when they go from here as well to keep supporting them in their journey as Christian leaders. This is one of those key things, isn't it? The friendships that are forged in the sort of course mm. that people will do uh, that may well hold them in good stead uh, when they're going through the trials and the tribulations of their leadership into the future, uh, that sort of alumni idea, those friends for life, that's uh, got to be. It's got to have a, a pretty huge impact on on what will happen for the future. 
I think that's right. I actually think the things that we do that are most important are the character shaping activities and the relationship building activities. So we have a very intensive and I think um, exciting and interesting academic program. But it's the stuff that happens around that. It's the living together, uh, working together. We, we operate a rural property, so people are involved in helping us to kind of maintain the property. Uh, those kinds of things and the experiences that we go through, uh, spending a little bit of time potentially working in a parliamentary office, uh, sharing that, praying for each other, uh, seeing the word together. That stuff is as important as the academic stuff, I think. So, Dan, wise Christian leaders for politics and culture who are biblically faithful, culturally intelligent and positively engaged for the common good. I picked that up off your website. But uh, touching on those things in a three-month intensive course, uh, in some sense, some will say, well, isn't that sort of what discipleship is supposed to be like in our local churches? Uh, Maybe there's uh, certainly this intensive level because uh, you're bringing in some experts and tried and proven leaders who are telling their own stories and contributing into the lives of students here. That's what sets it apart. I think that's right. And and I'm very passionate about discipleship. That's been my ministry background, particularly discipling emerging adults and university students. And I think what we do here is a particular form of discipleship. Uh, like you're saying, Neil, the, the key place that we do that is in our church communities. Uh, we do that over over years and generations together as we keep encouraging each other to follow God and, and, and live deeply in his word. But I think there are special places and times where we pull together people who are facing similar kinds of challenges to equip them. And so particularly politics is a is a challenging place to be a follower of Jesus. Um, in fact, it's the kind of thing that's often so challenging that, that I, I would recommend that people not go in there. It's, it can be really toxic for your faith and the challenges to your character. Um, but as Christians, we're also really committed to having a presence in that space for the good of our society uh, and for the opportunities that it presents to actually commend the gospel way of living and the gospel to people. We want to be there. And that's going to create challenges for people. And so we need to disciple them intensively in how to do that. Um, and so that's the kind of thing that we're doing. It's, it's, it's not going to be an alternative to the local church, and it's going to be in local churches that people are nourished for the rest of their lives. But for a short period of time, something intensive like this is valuable, I think. So something significant that sparked our conversation today, and that's a major milestone, the opening of McClellan Hall, and uh, some honour there to Tony McClellan, who's... Uh, He and his wife uh, made a gift through their McClellan Foundation. But give us some insights here into the significance of having McClellan Hall. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure you've had Tony before as a guest on your program, Neil. And um, he's got a a fascinating life. Um, you can you can read about that in his book, and I think they're going to make a documentary about it as well. Uh, just an incredible sort of rags to riches story um, of of someone been very very successful in lots of parts of life, but touched by God really powerfully uh, in his forties and came came to faith, uh, and touched been a really significant uh, impetus and and had involvement with Lachlan Macquarie Institute since its since its inception. Um, and, and as you say, we've got a really exciting coming up uh, in the next month or so where we're opening a new facility on our on our property here in Murrumbateman, uh, which will provide us with 
and uh, uh, the next level i think in in, in a purpose-built educational facility i'm actually sitting in it right at the moment uh, so we've got some new office space and a media room um, but at the heart of it is a new learning center uh, where we'll be able to actually hold our class and invite guests to come and stay uh, and we're honoring uh, tony and ray's gift by calling it the mcclellan hall yeah and uh, for listeners, uh, you could si- simply Google. You'll find uh, the conversation that I had with Tony McClellan because we were talking about his book, A Glorious Ride from Jumble Plains to Eternity. And as you say, uh, he's had a very colourful life and uh, a very successful uh, life as well and shaped by his Christian foundations in the business pursuits that he was involved in. So when we talk about people being shaped, their character, their relationships, it's not just about politics. It's actually about uh, all of these different dimensions, including your business life. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that really struck me when I very first, the very first time I met Tony was when I was considering coming on board to work for the Lachlan Macquarie Institute. And to be perfectly honest, I had questions about getting involved in something that that had a political aim uh, because I've been in plenty of contexts where for Christians, the political aim starts to become more important to them than their actual faith and their and their being a disciple of Jesus. Um, but when I first met Tony, the very first thing he did was comment on my name, Daniel, and tell me about something he'd been reading in the Bible. Uh, and his faith and his heart for the Lord was just really clear and obvious from the outset. Uh, and as I've gotten to know him, uh, over and over, I'm encouraged by the fact that for him, what matters most uh, is that very humble reality of, of walking with the Lord. Uh, and through that, God has used him, I think, quite mightily to bless a whole bunch of things. And Tony's a past chairman of the Australian Christian Lobby Board. And so, therefore, I mean, as people appreciate the significance of the Australian Christian Lobby today, uh, some of that goes back to the wise leadership and direction that's come through your board over these now many years. That's correct. That's exactly right. Uh, Let's talk about that facility. You mentioned there's a new learning area. How many people can Mm. fit into uh, one of these intensive courses? And we'll get the details as to how, you know, you might be able to apply to be a part of this. But uh, how significant now is this new facility going to be? It's uh, it's very significant for us. One of the things that we take as, as kind of characteristic of LMI is that we actually only take quite small groups for our residential fellowships. So, Ideally for us, a a residential fellowship course is about eight to ten people. Uh, We do that because we want to have that really close experience of living together, working together, that will shape character. Uh, And in a small group like that, you you can't hide. The Holy Spirit brings to the surface the things that you need to be working on. so, so we we have a facility that's really shaped around having those smaller intensive type groups. But the new facility that we have actually gives us a bit more flexibility. So it's designed for our normal kind of program where we're having uh, that sort of eight to ten group of people. But we've we're, we're always flying in lots of different faculty and lecturers from around the country. We try to find the best people who can come and teach in our program, and then we fly them in to teach uh, for a block of days at a time. But it's a flexible space so that we can also have groups of, you know, 100, maybe even 120 for larger style lectures and conferences here as well. Uh, And we're actually uh, planning a conference coming up fairly soon, actually, called Categoria, which is a a five-day intensive uh, taster of LMI that's that's for a larger group of people. So people who might be interested in getting a bit of a taster of thinking about politics and culture, how we engage with the society idea around us, how we think about discipleship in that context, and, and also how do we think about sharing the gospel. Uh, so that's a, a conference called Categoria that's coming up in about a month as well. 
We might touch on some more of that shortly. Hey, Dan, the world is changing. And so the application of Christian truth and of Christian wisdom uh, is really in preparation for the way the world is changing so significantly. How do you identify what's making things change so fast and the absolute essential need for these uh, courses that will develop these Christian leaders for the future? That's such a fascinating question, Neil. Uh, And it's a big question to answer, isn't it? On the one hand, there are some things that don't change. Um, Human nature, and particularly the kinds of things that we are prone to in terms of our sinful nature, doesn't change. Uh, What seems to change are the opportunities that we have to act on it. Uh, But also the gospel doesn't change, and and the redemptive work that God is doing uh, by the Spirit uh, in the the gospel going out to the nations doesn't change. And so those two things are kind of fixed poles. What changes is the different way that those things interact in cultures at a different at any given time and i think you're right to say that our culture is changing very rapidly uh, the impact of technology uh, changed the way that we do community in lots of ways and that that throws up all sorts of challenges for us the changes to communication and mass media are, are changing all sorts of things uh, the role of government in our lives is changing over time and so uh, all of those create challenges for us as christians to bring the unchanging message of the gospel to these massively and rapidly changing contexts life culture and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 with neil johnson on vision our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 you might like to join in our conversation today our very special guest is the reverend dr dan anderson dan is director and ceo of the lachlan macquarie institute based in canberra dan let's take a call straight away graham is in tasmania graham welcome along Good morning, gentlemen. Well, I have thought about what you're discussing because of the, what's happening in the world that we've got another force working in mankind uh, to go the other way. To do what you'd like to do, I thought this would take... I'd have to go back 70 years to the beginning and have an organisation that was spiritually godly our children and our grandchildren down the road. We prepared them to put them in position of actually ruling in governments, in the police force, in armies, in the schools, lawyers, and, of course, uh, prosecutors and so on. And so we need to do, we'd need to do that. It's a great idea, but uh, unfortunately it's a bit late down the road because it's not looking good for the future. Uh, Graham, interesting, uh, almost hear you saying uh, I can see how these things have begun to develop over the last 70 years. Uh, is this a little too late? Uh, let's get a thought or two. Uh, Dan, your thoughts on the timing. I guess you've got to, I mean, you started this 10 years ago, but you've got to start somewhere and you've got to develop those leaders and you've got to be intentional about that. What are your thoughts for Graham? I think that's right, Neil. Like, in a sense, we we've got to live in the in the generation and the time that God has given us, and 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 make the wisest and best decisions we can with what we've been given. Um, we also don't know uh, where the culture will go. Um, we, we look out, and sometimes we feel pretty anxious at the at the directions that we see. But we also look back in history and see really remarkable and stunning changes of direction. Uh, and so we. We don't know what we're preparing for. We might be preparing to live as Christians in a society that's significantly more hostile. And in order to do that, we're going to need wise leaders um, who know how to understand the times and live uh, well within them. We might live in a time in which the gospel finds a new hearing, and we're going to need leaders for that context as well. And so in some ways, I don't try to pick winners. Um, I don't try to 
pick people who I think are going to be you know, work with a particular kind of society that we're moving into as much as people who are really passionate about following the Lord, uh, whatever comes, and have leadership qualities and character that are going to enable them to adapt to whatever the situation is that we address. Uh, Graham, anything further to add to our guests' comments? Well, look, people don't like me saying this, but times are drawing very, very close to Christ's return. That's all around us. Matthew 24, take tell us all about that than anyone that has a little fear of God trembles because our nations are actually going directly hard against God so much that it's uh, imprisoning or, or, or crippling or putting people out of work to get their own way, a rejection of God and that's what we've got now and we as Christians need to pray to God that uh, for our nations that we also need to get closer to God ourselves individually, and that's, uh, that's how it is. Hey, Graham, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join in our conversation talking about raising up wise Christian leaders. 1-800-316-316. Interestingly, uh, there is a uh, sort of a, a eschatological issue at hand. Some people will be saying, well, things look like it's so close to the return of Jesus. Why would I bother even trying to influence the culture. Uh, you've mm. lit, a, lit a candle rather than uh, cursing the darkness, and uh, it's a mm. candle that is uh, be, beginning to burn brightly. Uh, any thoughts here for some people who are thinking, uh, why are you wasting your time with this? Isn't this all just prophesied in the Bible? Uh, thoughts here from you, Dan? That's such an interesting question, Neil, and I, I actually think that's a crucial one. Um, and our thinking about eschatology and how we think uh, history is unfolding is really actually, I think, at the foundation of of how we do leadership and, and, and Christian ethics more broadly. Um, um, Graham picked up on Matthew 24, and I think that is a really key passage. But one of the things that jumps out at me as I study that is that the emphasis, in a sense, the command that Jesus gives um, when he says you'll hear of wars and rumours of wars, he immediately goes, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Um, such things must happen the end is still to come. And then the emphasis goes on to being able to thrive and and live faithfully through all the things that the world will throw at us. Uh, wars, being handed over and persecuted, even being put to death. Uh, but the promise is that in that context, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world. And so um, there, there's a sense in which working out the times that we live in and thinking about where we are in terms of the return of Jesus is is important and it helps us to think through how do we respond well. Uh, and there are, there are different voices. Some of them will say, actually, look, we just need to really withdraw and um, kind of maintain our Christian identity in separation from the world around us. Others who are much more leaning forward, trying to engage. Um, and one of the things that I want to do at LMI is actually create space for people to have lots of conversations and think deeply about that, uh, to hear from people on both sides of that discussion and to learn from each other. Uh, but at the same time, to keep remembering the promise that Jesus has made us, not to become too alarmed by the stuff that's going on around us uh, and to remember that the gospel of the kingdom is being preached and it's for us to actually be witnesses to that in our politics, in our lives, as individuals, in our churches, wherever we are, we're witnesses to that uh, as we draw closer to that end. 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation, let's take another call. Joe is in New South Wales. Hi, Joe. Hello. 
What are your thoughts, Joe? Good morning to you. Um, I actually have a, a question because I, I do love the fact that um, we're training leaders for uh, for the future. My main challenge has always been the fact that if we have Christian leaders coming up, how are we going to influence the society in a way that they are influencing us now, or more like we're not imposing the Christian values? like they are trying to impose their worldly values on us. How how do we balance that? Because sometimes as Christians, we can't just make laws to say, okay, ban alcohol, ban these, ban that, because they are not, you know, Christian. How do we, like, balance, you know, making sure that everyone, because we're not ruling just Christians, we're ruling every other religion, every other uh, worldly ideas out there. How do we put forth these Christian values without it looking like we are imposing it, just the way the world is trying to impose their values on us. Very good question, Joe. A thought or two here. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts for Joe? I, I think that's an excellent question and point that Joe's making, and I'm a, I'm a very big believer in freedom of religion. Uh, I, I, up, I seek to uphold that, uh, and I ask for it as a Christian to be able to practice my faith and, and to witness. Uh, I seek to uphold that for people who are not Christian as well. I think that's actually, that flows from my Christian commitment, that I seek to grant people the chance to hear and respond freely uh, to the message of the gospel. And so I'm not at all interested in trying to create a situation in which Christians remove other people's freedom to believe and to practice their faith uh, or, or their lack of faith. Uh, but we do live also in a pluralist Uh, Dan, you're just dropping out there. Are you still with us? Dan, uh, we'll try and get you reconnected. It looks like uh, we've just lost that connection with Dan for a moment. Uh, Joe, just stand by and uh, I'll give you uh, a thought or two while we're just getting reconnected with Dan um, because oftentimes we'll talk about a non-domination uh, when we talk about our Christian faith. And I think we've got Dan back. Dan, are you with us? Something dropped out there. Are you back with us? I'm back. Sorry, Neil, about that. I'm not sure what happened there. Okay. Um, I was just, just well, you might have missed uh, then what I was just mentioning. There is a sense, uh, if we're talking, taking a biblical view, uh, that there is a servanthood in leadership today which might lead us towards a non-domination uh, and having a transcendent God gives us an ability to have such a thing as a rule of law, uh, which means that uh, mm. the Christian believer doesn't actually become uh, the, uh, you know, just uh, ramming heads together uh, one ideology versus another. Uh, anyway, any just uh, thoughts there for, uh, for, for Joe and the way that he was talking about this? Isn't it just, a, you know, a battle of who gets to have uh, their ideology uh, legislated? Any thoughts here? Yeah, I think that's a really the point you're making there was really helpful, uh, Neil. Uh, and I did I did say I'm not sure if it came through that I, I I'm a big believer in religious freedom, and I think that flows from our Christian faith um, that we're we're invited to make a free response to God ourselves, and we want to seek to preserve the freedom for others to do that as well. But we also operate in a society in which people from lots of different kinds of faiths and and not faiths come together. 
in order to deliberate on the, the policies that are best for us. And, and so Christians are invited to be a part of that conversation and we should take that opportunity when we have it. But the point you're making is really important as well, Neil, that we, we live in a, in a world that's been created by God, um, that has a measure of what theologians might call common grace, where we can discern together if you're a Christian or not a Christian, things that are good. Uh, and Christians need to be in the public space, upholding those good things, explaining them, commending them to others who, who will see them, even if they might not agree with, with our Christian faith. Um, and so just to respond to Joe's concern, I, I'm, I'm not interested, and I don't think the people who come through Illinois are particularly trying to set up a situation in, Christian, in which Christians dominate our society as much as one in which we positively are engaged as Christians, bringing the best of our Christian uh, heritage and wisdom to bear in our national conversation in the hope that that will be a blessing to our nation and in the hope that people will see it and actually respond uh, with faith as well. Joe, was that a helpful response? Yeah, it, it is helpful because I ask this question because I see it from a lot of Christian leaders. Even um, the U.S. president, he's Catholic, but he has to make decisions that affect everyone. And then he believes something, but then, you know, he can't go with his belief. He has to go with whatever the majority says. So in a way, it's putting aside his Christian beliefs and then, you know, going with what the, the world says. So I know it's a bit... Uh, of a dicey situation, always the leadership. In my own little world, I try to just not impose things. I just show examples and I just wish it could do more than, you know, um, just lead to changes, you know. But yep. Joe, thank, you so, thank you so much for your call. A valuable contribution, raising a whole lot of different dimensions in there. And even as Joe says, you know, even if you took the example of uh, Joe Biden, the U.S. president, uh, he while he has a lot of power and uh, his ideology left leaning, uh, there are an awful lot of people who make things happen. And especially when we have a government system like we have here, you've got to have a lot of leaders agreeing to go in a certain direction together. And that's what you're trying to develop, leaders who will be uh, wise in these areas of politics and culture. Dan, we'll take some more calls in just a few moments, but just to pick up on something that Joe was alluding to before the news, something to enlarge a little on, the thought that when you've got one ideology versus another and uh, it's the force that will win, uh, one stronger than the other, people almost fear a Christian domination and perhaps we can call that uh, the thought of a theocracy. What are your thoughts here around Christians and the pursuit of leadership in a national scale? It's such an interesting and, and complex topic in lots of ways, Neil, and a really important one for us to think about. Um, as I was saying to, to Joe just before the, the news break, uh, I, I'm personally, and I think most Christians are, committed to religious liberty. We actually really care about people having the freedom to respond according to their conscience. Uh, that doesn't counteract the reality that when we live in a society and a democracy, uh, we make decisions together as a, as, a, as a nation about the kinds of policies and directions that we want to go in. When we pass laws, um, we're making a decision. Uh, we're imposing, to use that kind of language, a decision ab- upon a group of people. And so when we set the speed limit at 110 on the highway or something like that, uh, we're imposing a particular belief about what is safe and what is helpful for a group, for us as a whole nation, 
upon the whole nation. Um, and for Christians to, to take our view of the world and our understanding of what is real and what is good and to take that into parliament and to have a conversation and to work it out within the parties and within the parliament, uh, to think about all of those things together, uh, isn't imposing our views. It's just doing politics. It's what we all do when we go to parliament uh, or involve even just in our workplaces as we bring our different ideas together about what is the best way forward. Um, what needs to happen is to make sure that we've got a commitment together uh, to actually uh, uh, talking these things through wisely, that we've got shared points of reference about what is good, uh, and that we can then live together under the, the rules and the laws that we come up with. The real challenge for us in, at the moment, I reckon, Neil, is that we've lost a lot of the shared points of reference about what is good that makes our political conversations even more difficult. So it does feel a little bit more like imposing. Uh, maybe a couple of generations ago, we had a more shared conception of what is is a good human life and what are what is good character and, and these kinds of things that meant that it was the conversations were a little bit less fraught a little bit less heated but i'm not sure that the actual thing has changed that we're doing sometimes we talk about human flourishing and uh, the thought that uh, there might be a number of different ways to make that happen of course the christian has a biblical foundation and so we want to see uh, humanity or our nation flourishing and uh, we would say that the values that we're promoting will bring about that flourishing because uh, there's lots of examples around the world where the opposite is showing fruit of its own we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316 let's take another call dan dennis is in brisbane hello dennis welcome along hi how's it going very well dennis what are your thoughts for our conversation hey um i was just curious so is the outcome of this um, particular program to have us be a little bit more like the the united states in terms of that we kind of have a lot more um, christian apologists and and for example christians in law defending defending certain um you know, viewpoints of um, of moral rights and wrongs and being able to articulate them most importantly. Because often, you know, in the news, things are so simplified that um, you don't really have a thoughtful dissection of of things because often, you know, actually, Christian viewpoint is deeply logical if, if one is able to articulate it properly. Dennis, good uh, thought there. A, a thought or two from Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Uh, I'm not sure quite... Whether to, to pitch it as to be a little bit more like the United States, I think there's some really strong aspects that we can learn from about the, the way that Christians have responded to their culture in the States. But we're, we're different as well. We have a different heritage and a different context here. Um, but, but what you're getting at, I think, is spot on, that what we're wanting to do is to help Christians who are entering into professions and to leadership in different aspects of culture to be able to articulate their faith, to understand the, the rich... Uh, tradition that we stand in of intellectual history and the answers and things that Christians have struggled with in the past and how we can bring that more to bear on our contexts today. Often we show up at work these days uh, and we, we, we're we very involved in the, in the things that we're trying to achieve and it's a little bit hard to connect for us the things that we've been thinking about and learning in our quiet time or at church on a Sunday with the stuff that we're doing in our workplace. And there are certain kinds of professions where it's really important connected so you mentioned law that's a really classic example right where we're dealing with questions of justice and christians and our faith teaches us some important things about those that we need to bring to bear on our practice of law it's the same in health it's the same in education it's true in politics dennis is that a helpful response yeah i'd say so so you, you do, uh, so in terms of like you know how for example in the u.s you've got some of those um 
even those law, uh, a lot more of those, um, I guess, the higher profile law um, areas, like, you know, how there's like the Alliance Defending Freedom and those types of things. Is that something where you're, you're looking, I guess, in Australia to have a lot more of these um, you know, bodies that are able to stick up for, for Christian values? Down the line? I mean, obviously not in the next two years, but... Dan, existing bodies and more bodies that can stick up for those things that have a Christian foundation. I I think that's... I'm sort of a little bit guarded there, Dennis, because I don't know that we just want to replicate the stuff that we see in the States, but there there will be challenges in the the context that's coming towards us that require us to do similar kinds of things. So, yeah, like you say, I, I think it's really valuable that we already have law firms in Australia like the Human Rights Law Alliance that are dedicated to defending religious freedom. Uh, And one of the things that I think will come out of the Lachlan Macquarie Institute already has are people who are trained in certain kind of areas who then are able to to lend their skills and expertise to those kinds of things. So the, the reality is that people who've come out of the Lachlan Macquarie Institute over the last 10 years are already in leadership in a, in a lot of those very significant lobbies and think tanks that you already know um uh that, that that's the alumni of lmi has already been very significant and influential in doing that and we we anticipate to be able to do a lot more of that over the future as well dennis in brisbane thank you so much for your call our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 dan talking lawyers uh, not just lawyers but academics uh, people who uh, some will argue have been shaped uh, by a more uh, materialist uh, Marxist uh, foundation uh, and that's why we have this moving away from Christian foundations for our nation uh, with promises of all sorts of utopian ideas about how wonderful it'll be but uh, but as Christians we recognise it won't be wonderful that's a different sort of a utopia than what Christians might anticipate any thoughts here on just how significant it's been that you've had all of these influences that have grown up through uh, academia and uh, has influenced our lawyers and decision makers. I, th- I think that's correct. I, I think it's it's obvious and demonstrably true that that the the flavour of our kind of academia really affects the shaping of our kind of worldview, uh, and and we bring all of those things with us into our profession. So yeah, I, I studied, I started out studying a law degree at the ANU uh, back in the nineteen nineties, and and certainly the the kinds of uh, worldview that was embodied in the in the things that we learnt at, at law school uh, had had aspects that were really uh, inimical to, to Christian faith, but there were also lots of things there that were drawn out of our Christian heritage. And I still think that's the case at university today. There are aspects of the things that you'll hear in a classroom that are quite opposed to Christian faith. There are still things that have been drawn out of the rich history of Christianity in our culture. And there's still work to be done there for academics to get in there and to be engaging in those conversations in their professions and to be actually making a case for the the, the logicality of Christian faith and its workability, its practicability in life. I wouldn't give up on universities and academics, but what I do think, and I think this is what you're getting at, is that it's a really key area for us to keep uh, focusing on and, and training people for. There is a sense uh, that many fear that there is a revisionism that's going on. Our cultural history in Australia, where we might be able to identify those Christian foundations and all of the uh, principles of our Christianity that have shaped uh, the nation to flourish. Uh, But that revisionism that's going on now wants to push 
even uh, even erase the Christian heritage that we have. Any thoughts here about uh, revisionism? Because, I mean, I want to ask you all sorts of things about, you know, what are we supposed to be across if we're going to be shaping the future? But, but we've got to understand the past and then we can understand where we're going for the future. I think that's spot on. And sometimes I'm a little bit wary of the idea of revisionism because I think it's actually often just ignorance. Um, I did my PhD in philosophy at Macquarie University and was a part of the philosophy department there, uh, which was a great privilege and I really enjoyed it. Um, what, what really struck me when I participated in, in departmental things was that people weren't particularly hostile to Christianity, um, but they just knew very little about it. Um, and particularly, you notice this in, in the study of philosophy, that people were really familiar with kind of classic Greek and Roman philosophy. So they knew Plato and Aristotle. They kind of knew... Uh, the famous Christian philosopher Augustine. Um, but then there was this massive gap in what people understood from basically Augustine through to René Descartes, who kind of lived in the 17th century in France. Um, so we're talking over a thousand years uh, of history that people just didn't know about. And there's a lot of really important and interesting philosophy that happens in them. Uh, and because they, and, and, and I think this is where we're right to be a little bit worried, because of the association of Christianity with philosophy in that period, people have, uh, as they've rejected Christianity, have also rejected just knowing anything about that history. And they've made themselves just ignorant, I think, a lot of the time. Um, what we can be doing is helping people to, to re-appreciate and understand what's going on there. What you said was really important. If we don't know that kind of history, we deprive ourselves of, of real wisdom about how to live well in the world that Christians have developed over a long period of time. Uh, and we need, to, we need to keep doing that. We need to keep going back there. So, Dan, there'll be listeners. Uh, some will never get to uh, Lachlan Macquarie Institute and be a part of one of your amazing intensive programs. But there's a certain sense in which maybe there are things that we can read. There might be things that we can participate in that can help us get across uh, what might be involved in shaping the future. Maybe uh, even in our own community or our own town or city. And then, the, you know, the shaping of the future of the nation. So what is it that you can identify that we would need to be across uh, to become ones who might be uh, involved in the shaping of the future? I think there are four aspects to being a really wise Christian leader in, in lots of different spaces, whether that's just being able to lead our families well, whether that's involved in education or a profession or in politics. Um, those four things, I think, are, are being able to understand and analyse a little bit of the culture that's going on around you. Um, and there are some really helpful voices, I think, in, in our world today that are helping us with that kind of thing. Um, in, in Australia, uh, Stephen McAlpine published a book, uh, I think it was last year, called Being the Bad Guy. Uh, that was very, very helpful. I'd, I'd recommend that to people. Um, so being able to understand what are the forces and influences in the culture around us is really helpful. That's the first thing. The second one is actually just thinking about how to be a faithful disciple in the context that we've been given. And as the culture changes, the pressures on our discipleship change. Uh, one of the things that I'm really passionate about and I worry about is that as, as our media becomes and our entertainment becomes more and more all-pervasive, um, we're effectively being out-discipled by the world frequently. Um, and, and think about it maybe in, in, in the lives of our, our listeners. Like we, we maybe will spend you know, a couple of hours with church on a Sunday. Hopefully we're involved maybe in a small group or a ministry opportunity during the week. But honestly, maybe it adds up to a day if we're, if we're particularly involved in church. Um, and we're spending all the rest of this time I don't know how much people are spending on social media or streaming Netflix. And all of these things are kind of discipleship, right? They're, they're kind of training the way that we think and feel 
And so we need to really be paying attention to that in our lives. Um, we need to think about particularly discipleship for a digital age. Um, and one of the places that I found really helpful to think about that is just thinking about the habits that we're building in our lives. Um, and there's been some great books come out in the last few years about things like that. John Mark Comer has done some really helpful thinking about. Uh, there's a guy named uh, J.K.A. Smith, Canadian, who wrote a book, You Are What You Love, that I think is very helpful for helping us to think through the patterns that we build into our lives that are going to help us to walk faithfully with the Lord. That's the second thing, discipleship for a digital life. Third one, we need to have an idea of what a Christian social vision is. So it's very easy for us when we're, we're, we feel like the culture's turning away from us to become very negative and reactionary. We're, we're worried and we get angry and a bit hostile. And that can blind us to the fact that we've got something positive to recommend to the world around us as well. And that's what I would call a Christian social vision. So thinking a little bit about where are the places that we can actually help people to attend to the things that are good for them in the world. Um, and I think a Christian social vision is a little bit category defying. It's not necessarily particularly right or left. Like Christians care for refugees and orphans. And at the same time, they're also uh, very big on freedom of religion. And there's a whole bunch of different kinds of issues that come together in a Christian social vision. And, and spending some time thinking about that and listening to the voices of very helpful Christian thinkers in that space can be good as well. And then the final one for me, is just being able to share our faith well in this culture as well. Whether you're a father or a mother or you're a worker, being able to actually explain what the gospel is in a way that's understandable to people around us is really important. Those are the four elements of good Christian leadership for me. What I can hear you describing here, and I know listeners will capture this, because there is a need for what we might call a more immersive experience of in Christian things, uh, understanding Christian wisdom, uh, building and shaping those habits. And, of course, we call that discipleship. And there is a sense in which you can fall short. I'm really, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, it, uh, when, you, when you say uh, somehow or other we're being out-discipled by the world, uh, somehow you've got to draw a line in the sand and say, well, they're that far and no further. What I need to do is be more discipled by God uh, immersed in my faith experience than the world, but oftentimes we then you know we get past that conversation, then we're back into worldly things. Any thoughts here mm. for for how you might become more immersive in your experience wherever you might be listening today? I, I think that's that's spot on, and and that is one of the reasons why we run these three month fellowship programs is that I think increasingly. Uh, what we will need as Christians in lots of different spheres, so not just for kind of political or cultural leadership, but just just for being faithful Christians, is is potentially to take a little bit of time out from our our lives uh, in the kind of busyness and craziness of our media saturated world uh, to have a little bit of more intensive experience of community with each other that enables us to shape uh, our habits and our character and our walk with the Lord. Now. That's that's always traditionally been what Christians have done by celebrating time together on a Sunday, uh, if if that's the day that you set aside to to meet with God's people. That's that kind of coming together as a gathering of God's people to really help to disciple disciple each other. But but I think often our church life together is getting thinner and thinner. To be honest, Neil, and um, and so maybe we need to schedule. Maybe maybe this is something for people to think about scheduling every couple of years i'm going to take a little bit of time away to go on a bit of a retreat find some other christians that i can do this with helpfully there's opportunities to kind of study maybe at a bible college or something like that things like lachlan macquarie institute i think we need more of that 
to really invest deeply in the deep formation of character and spirituality with each other so that then we're, we're equipped to go out in the world. What wonderful insight. Running short of time, uh, let me ask you, uh, with the Lachlan Macquarie Institute, and uh, I do want to get your insights uh, all about the uh, the special program you've got coming up called Categoria, uh, but when you do these mm. intakes, these intensive, uh, who can go, Dan? Is it a little bit restricted? Do you need to have some sort of uh, backing? Obviously, it's three months out of your life. Uh, there's scholarships available. Give us an insight here into who can be a part of these fabulous intensives. We we only, as I said bef- uh, a little bit earlier, we, we, we aim to take between eight and ten people, and we, we do get significantly more applications than we have spaces. Um, we're looking for people f- with a real diversity. We take people from all around the country, from a whole bunch of different Christian denominational backgrounds. What we're looking for is teachability. They'd like to be involved in in political or cultural leadership. And usually we need to be able to see that there's a little bit of a track record there as well. Um, the core group of people who come to us are usually in their mid-20s through to their mid-30s. Um, but we'll also take you know people who are finishing off at university right through to people who are in their 40s and 50s. Um, but the core group of people are probably in that kind of emerging uh, kind of leader phase of sort of their 20s to their 30s. Um, like you say, three months is a big, big commitment. Um, we run our programs from November, the end of November through to the end of February. That's our summer intensive fellowship program. Then we run another one from the end of March through to the end of June. Currently, we're only doing two a year. Uh, maybe in the next couple of years, we might investigate doing three. Uh, and anyone can apply. You go through our website and put in an application form. Uh, we, we, we charge a $6,000 fee. Um, which is basically uh, encouraging people to have a little bit of skin in the game. The vast majority of our costs are covered by uh, supporters and people who donate to our program, and that might be another thing that people are interested in doing as well. If you're someone who'd like to support what we're doing, you can you can contact me about that as well. But but people basically uh, they they'll apply. There's an interview process, and then we'll uh, we'll have conversations with people about who can come. My suspicion is that every single person listening to our conversation right now will know someone in their local church who are there thinking right now ought to be a part of what's happening at the Lachlan Macquarie Institute. And uh, if there is something that just sparks that connection point today, uh, that'll be a wonderful thing. I want to give the LMI uh website lmi.org.au you did mention early in our conversation dan you've got another course that's coming up called categoria with a k Uh, there's a new intake for that coming up Uh, what's categoria all about is that something we could all participate in yeah that's actually designed to try and make what we do accessible to a larger group of people so it is uh, it's only a five-day program uh, it's it's a bit of a taster of the key themes of LMI. So we'll do some cultural analysis. We'll do some thinking about discipleship. It'll be here on our on our campus in Murrum Bateman, and it's coming up. It's fairly soon, actually. It's coming up on the fourteenth of October. So if people are interested in that, you can find out more through our website as well. Okay, coming up fourteenth of October, Categoria with a K, a little bit of a testing of the waters ahead of a three month type of intensive. Uh, wonderful insights today. Dan, let's do this again sometime soon. We'll pick up on a different angle around leadership, but let me point listeners uh, to connect with the Reverend Dr. Dan Anderson, who is Director and CEO of the Lachlan Macquarie Institute based in Canberra. 
The website is lmi.org.au, lmi.org.au. Dan, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us around these things today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. A great pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.